0: Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to
1: Connections. I'm Colleen Hood. It's been nearly two weeks since the collapse of the Champlain Towers in Surfside, Miami, and the death toll from that situation continues to rise. As of last week, the search shifted from rescue to recovery. Now, how is that affecting the community? We're joined today by JP Funk. He is one of the pastors at Calvary Chapel, Miami Beach. He'll share with us how churches in the community are coming together. To help those who need it, he's also going to share with us how we here in Canada can pray for those involved. We'll hear that and so much more today on Connections. Our guest today is JP Funk. He's one of the pastors at Calvary Chapel, Miami Beach. We're going to chat with him in a little bit about the condo collapse that took place there over two weeks ago. It was about 10 minutes away from where their church is located. But first of all, JP, we want to get to know you a little bit better. Tell us about yourself and how you got involved in ministry.
0: Well, I, uh, found Jesus at a a late age. I was 34 and it was a pretty radical change in life and a calling and I didn't know it, but, uh, eventually after, I guess, uh, walking with the Lord for 10, 15 years, I realized I really liked the, the idea of ministry. So I took a course in ministry and, uh, then I started as an assistant pastor. That was 18 years ago.
1: Now, what landed you in Miami? How did you eventually get there?
0: Oh, who wouldn't want to live in Miami? (laughs) The beautiful palm trees, the beach, the blue skies. It's just, uh, I feel at home here.
1: That's awesome. I I know us Canadians would love to live in Miami. Maybe not during hurricane season, but uh, every other time, we definitely love to be there. Well. As happy and as joyful as this conversation has started off where we're talking about something, unfortunately, that happened, I guess, it would be now over two weeks ago.
0: Actually, I woke up two weeks ago. Uh, I was speaking to my wife. Uh, the kids were at Orlando, and she said, uh, read something from the headlines, uh, tower collapse in Miami Beach. And uh, as she started describing the you know the first thing I realized was okay this is right up the street from us and because of the type of church we are and the training that we have I just knew right away we're gonna have to mobilize. Uh and the big thing was that my pastor, uh Pastor Robert Fountain had just left for a two week vacation.
1: Wow. So when you all heard this news, how did you begin to mobilize and and start up a plan?
0: Well, the first thing, of course, was to connect and pray, um, to connect with our our very small staff, since half of them were away in Europe. And uh, (laughs) uh, we have the the privilege of having some very good connections with law enforcement through um, police chaplaincy. And so right away, we were able to connect with our friends at the Miami Beach Police Department, who are chaplains or work with um, my pastor, who is a chaplain, and several other chaplains in the area. And, and that just opened doors for us. Um, the FCPO, Florida Christian Peace Officers Group, okay. they were able to set up a tent right Across the street from the site, and we were um, welcome to to go and just be on site there as prayer support. Um, And that was pretty uh, significant for us on the first day uh, to go directly there. And we realized that we couldn't do too much as far as search and rescue. You know, as Christians, we want to do something heroic, we want to do something you know, with our hands and feet. Uh, but in this situation, we had to leave it to the guys who were trained in that and had, you know, of, of course, the, the authorization to be in that scene. They had started very early in the morning and by three o'clock when we arrived, uh, they were very much engaged in the rescue operation. So we put our T-shirts that say, may I pray for you? And we took snacks and fruit and coffee and water and anything we could get our hands upon initially. And we were just there praying for the, the teams, all the police, and all the support of people that were arriving. Uh, it happened very quickly. And, uh, and then that very night, we, we rallied a, a prayer vigil at our church. That was Thursday night. And then Friday night, the same and we had just um, actually uh, began starting a church in the streets outreach that very Saturday, uh, which we felt like that was God's providence, that we already had that scheduled. So we had pods of teams that were going through the neighborhoods praying, but then uh, in and around the, the disaster site there, uh, just praying praying for anybody who would see our t-shirts and be curious, praying for uh, different elements there, whether it was the news media, the law enforcement, the fire and rescue, the, the victims, the, the people who were hoping to be rescued, um, the families that are impacted in that area, and pretty much our whole city has been impacted
1: what is that like to be right there at Ground Zero and to experience that and to experience all these emotions and feelings that you're getting from, like you said, everyone from the, from the people involved, the people that are injured, the, the rescuers, the family members of those that are searching? What was that like?
0: Well, I think that in times where the world is at its worst, uh, the church needs to be at its best. And so we were able, I believe, to identify first of all the the atmosphere uh on the first day. it was just complete respect uh for the fire and rescue teams and the law enforcement um and also just understanding the the upheaval in the lives of the people who uh, left with only maybe their phone, and, and did survive and make it out of the building. Um, but then also the families of the people who were missing uh, and just the, the compassion, uh, the empathy for everybody involved. Uh, after that, uh, it kind of shifted a, a little bit. I, I believe that along with that compassion, just the urgency uh, for the rescue, you know, they have a short window of opportunity in there. And just knowing that people are uh, very much impacted, even though they weren't necessarily uh, in the collapse or had family in the collapse. There's so many people in and around our community that were impacted.
1: Even up here in Canada, we're far away. We're not even in the same country, uh, but we're feeling, we're feeling it. We we feel this heaviness from this. So I can well, just imagine what's going on there. What was the response like from people when they saw you with your shirts? Can we pray for you? Were people approaching?
0: Yes. Uh, I think because our uh, attitude and the atmosphere around our, our teams was very respectful, uh, not running up to somebody with a tract and, you know, asking, <laughs> do you know Jesus? <laughs> but just gently and lovingly being present. Uh, there is, uh, along with the, the the need for reaching out and reaching across cultures in our community, because we have so many, uh, the need to evangelize. But In this instance, really the need for compassion, empathy, uh, and just being available. So instead of going to people, we just would watch and see people gravitate to our T-shirts, to the realization that we were in the midst of the disaster and we were there to minister and to pray. And so... um, Not only believers, but uh, just all types of other people were inclined, I believe, to accept prayer in in that type of situation. And I think that is true anytime there is a disaster. Uh, We've been praying for Canada because we know that, you know, churches have been either vandalized or even burned to the ground. And that's just horrifying for for us uh, to see our brothers and sisters, you know. In, in Canada, uh, have that impact all through that your nation.
1: Yeah, it's definitely, we're all definitely going through some difficult times at the moment. One thing that we have been reading and that we've seen is that all faith groups are coming together in this and are working together as a team as well to To help in the situation that's happening right now with the collapse, tell us about that and what that's been like to witness that and be a part of that.
0: Well, we live in a very cross cultural uh, atmosphere here in Miami Beach. uh Where the building is is typically a a very Jewish neighborhood, but in that particular building uh it wasn't only Jewish retirees in in South Florida. Which most people would just immediately assume, but it was a very international uh, type of, of mix of people. There were diplomats from other countries. I think there were a couple Canadians that lived there, a couple Australians. You know that is Miami Beach, so we're we're already re- well versed in um, reaching across cultures um, when when you think of the Hispanic cultures it's not just one big block mm-hmm. there are distinct in microcosms of of culture f- from different islands from south america from central america um and then everybody from everywhere is here so so we're already um aware and acquainted with the differences in culture so uh, you know right down the street we have uh, whether it's Jehovah Witnesses or the Mormons or anybody else, uh, we're, we're already very familiar with that mix. So we don't necessarily uh, hesitate to pray for anybody, whether they're Muslim or whether they're Jewish or, or anything like that.
1: It's been really interesting and awesome to see all of these faith groups, though, come together at a time be one and just forget about the differences and just love on people, which has been really awesome. How can we here in Canada, we're far away. How can we pray for uh, you guys, you guys that are out there helping, helping to pray for those who are working at the collapse still?
0: Well, again, like I said, everyone wants to do something heroic. And we forget that prayer is the muscle of, of our faith. And prayer is the thing that touches The Father's heart, you know, from the beginning, uh, instead of praying for any specifics, uh, my prayer was to touch the Father's heart because touching his heart for our community means that he would open doors. So continue to pray for open doors for us. You know, it's been two weeks and uh, we're we're always looking for the opportunity to make a difference, whether that's either serving with hands and feet or with materials. So uh, we, through our connections, are trying to supply um, just small things like Gatorade or hard hats or or even bananas. We bought a, a load of bananas to give to some of the departments there that we heard we're kind of getting overlooked, and uh, it's things like that. And in the long term, we're we're trying to to make available things like grief counseling, or um, uh, trauma, or or stress debriefing uh, through professionals, and uh, we see the need for that. So, uh, if anybody's listening, uh, there are. Uh, training programs to be certified in things like grief counseling or um, critical incident stress um, debriefings and it's not hard and you don't need a college degree
1: something to get out now because you never know when something like this is going to happen just like the pandemic we never anticipated that happening and everything that came along with that it's always great to be prepared. Where are things at now? I know that the tropical storm hit and that obviously had an impact on everything that was going on there. What are things like uh, as we speak?
0: Well fortunately in, we fared from the tropical storm. Um, the, there was uh, about half the building still standing as the rescue uh, mission was underway. Uh, at some point though with the tropical storm coming And also with the shift from rescue to recovery, uh, the decision was made to bring down the rest of the building because it was unstable. Uh, And so we were spared the impact or any destruction from the tropical storm. It went right around us, but the next one's coming. It's just where we are. There's hurricanes coming. Uh, So uh, not only with this, but we have to be ready for that impact as well.
1: And with what you just said there, rescue to recovery, how has that, we heard that news the other day and my heart sank. How has that changed in in that community there in what you're seeing and how are people handling that now?
0: Well, we hope beyond hope, uh, but we know that after a certain point uh, with the things that as they are, um, thousands and thousands of tons of concrete. Uh, just flattened that there's very little opportunity to to find anyone still in pockets. Um, and so that does shift. And you know what, just like your response, uh, that's the response that people are having now uh, from going from hope to despair. And I really believe that as we go with our prayer pods uh, tomorrow, uh, Saturday, we're taping this on Friday. You're, maybe you're listening it, to it on Monday. Uh, but as we go with our prayer teams in and around the memorial site, just like every disaster, there's an impromptu memorial site with flowers and pictures and, and people kind of huddle up there. And so we know that people are going to be both very sad, very much on edge. And I, I believe that is even a better time to minister and pray for people than initially. Initially, people, uh, uh, after a disaster, you know, they're in shock. And so we find that it's it's later, it's a couple weeks later uh, when things start to hit home, where we can make a, a, a really sweet impact um, upon the, the hearts and, and the minds uh, as we just start uh, pray, as we just minister with gentleness and, and truth. Yeah.
1: I guess that can go either way for some people. It can impact them. A situation, a disaster like this can either pull them away from God or the opposite, draw them even closer. So it's the perfect, like you said, it's the perfect opportunity to be out there.
0: Yeah, I think a, a, a normal, appropriate response would be anger. Uh, not only sadness, but anger. You know, looking to blame something just because it's so destructive it's so heavy and so impactful.
1: Did this impact any of the members of your church being so close to the site?
0: Yes. Yeah, we, we uh, had either family uh, that were, were church um, goers at one time or indirectly, and everyone in our community is impacted, whether it's traffic or the loss of loved ones or, or, or hearing stories about heroism. Or hearing stories about, you know, the, the loss. Uh, we're we're all impacted. So uh, we're in it together. And as we like to say at our church, we are one.
1: Tell us a little bit more about your church and just the demographic, and a little bit more about the community that you're in.
0: Well, our, our church began in the club and nightlife scene of South Beach in Florida, which most people know a little bit about South Beach, that it's a pretty rowdy place and where people come to party and soak up the ocean and the deco architecture and just, you know, kind of let wild in a hedonistic uh, outburst. It's known for that. But we started a church there. In the middle of that, our church grew and uh, we sort of grew out of that location. And um, we were blessed to, to purchase our own building in the midst of now a very urban uh, area where there's just um, an influx of immigrants and activity and building and tourists. And you know, it's not an industrial area. It's still a very transient area. Uh, so we have uh, pretty much people from everywhere uh, at our church. Uh, I like to think of it sort of like us in Revelation uh, chapter Six where there's every tribe and every nation and they're all glorifying jesus that's That's kind of what it's like on Sunday morning here at our church
1: I love that that's got to be a great experience. How long have you uh been with that church
0: well i I came one day just a few months after it began, and um I came from a really large church of thousands of people, and I came to this little church of about forty people and At first, it was a little strange. Um, but immediately, um, I stuck around and I, I pretty much met all of those 30 or 35 (laughs) people and went to lunch and I was hooked. Uh, so, uh, you know, I went from as a young believer to a brand new church plant. And I thought to myself, well, this is great. I'm on the ground floor here. You know, if God's going to move, he's going to move and it'll just be an exciting thing to be a part of that. So that was... 1994. And here it is 2021. And now I'm an old guy. So we're, we're focused on the younger generation uh, in our, in our church so that we can, you know, raise them up, train them up and and us old guys can move out of the way.
1: <laughs> Amazing. Um, is it still small like that about 40 people? Or has it grown too much larger than that?
0: No, there's hundreds of people right now. But For the size of our church, we have this huge heart. We have so many ministries. Uh, We have twice a week food distribution to the people who are, you know, uh, food transient and uh, aren't necessarily uh, knowing where their next meal is going to come from. Or it might be the difference between paying their light bill or, you know, paying a grocery bill. And we're able to assist them uh, uh, like that. Uh, hundreds of, of bags of food per week, um, wow. Appalency prison ministries, um, nursing home ministries, you know, outreaches in reaches are, we have a small low power radio station, you know, so we're a small church with just this huge heart to, to do amazing things and trust God.
1: I feel like we're going to need to chat with you again. I see the radio equipment behind you and I was kind of curious myself. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm in our studios and I'm, I'm about to then record an online, uh, old Testament teaching, oh. uh, you know, so, but we have a robust, um, uh, social media and online presence that's just there and available. Uh, and so we, we see that as the, the future. And so, uh, when COVID hit, we were able to, to just run with it. And, um, we're, we're glad that, uh, that the the pandemic really brought about a, a revival in our church. Mm-hmm. people who were only mediocre or lukewarm didn't see the the need to come to church and really didn't come back. So right now we're we're assisting and pouring into and watching God grow the people who are serious. So uh, instead of disaster I, I see it more of as a, a revival and I feel the same way about the collapse in Surfside. Although it is a tragedy, uh, what it's done for us is brought uh, new connections with sister churches and the people uh, in our church uh, invigorated and energized to to do outreach to pray and to, to not just be, you know, a, a church that sits on its hands.
1: And speaking of that, for anyone who may be going through a disaster, whether it be what we're going through up here in Canada, which is Unbelievable, or what you're dealing with down there right now in Miami. uh, What would your words be, maybe how we as a church can handle this situation?
0: Well, I know two things. Um, The first one is that God is good. The second one is that God is merciful. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. Uh, Instead, he wants to make us each Another man, just like he made Saul, who was very ordinary, uh, to make him king over Israel, he had to completely change the man. He had to give him a new heart. Um, all of us uh, come to 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 Jesus, needing His supply, uh, needing His direction. Uh, so, I think it comes down to just loving. Jesus, believing that he is who he is and trusting him and, and um, you know, stepping out, not just by faith, but in trust and to, to watch the Lord develop things. The, the reason that Saul uh, fell apart was he started to try to think he had it together and he could do it himself. Anytime we get like that, then we're, we're right for our own failure. And that's the kind of thing that comes with years of experience. But if you don't have years of experience, you still have the the very strong understanding that God is good and God is merciful, even in the worst times. And when the world is at its worst, they really need the church at its best. So this is an exciting time to be alive it is a God ordained time to be alive. If you're, if you're in the, my generation, the baby boomers, or the, the, um, you know, the other generations, the millennials, or the generation Z right now, it's an exciting time to be alive, because we are fulfilling biblical prophecy, uh, just by being in this place. So let's, let's get in with the what the Lord is doing, what Jesus is doing to, uh, to direct history and even every calamity.
1: For those who want to learn more about your church, want to learn more about what you guys are doing, how can they go about doing that?
0: Uh, just go to our website. It's calvarymiamibeach.org. And it's C-A-L-V-A-R-Y, calvarymiamibeach.org.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it.
0: Ah, It's great to be with you, Colleen.
1: And thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.